Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That was Strange Hotels. You're listening to Dads the Podcast with Ruthie Wyatt and Rory Scoville over here at Team Coco. Ruthie! Hi! I made homemade ice cream the other day with my daughter. What? Uh, Yes. I, like, legit know how to make ice cream right now. We crushed it. Oh, my God. That's amazing. You guys are going to start a side hustle. That's exactly right. So that's why I was kind of trying to say, hey, I don't know how many more of these episodes we'll have. Right, Because my ice cream business is probably going to take off. Yeah, it sounds like it. So it was really nice working with you. Um, I hope you stay in touch, you know. Favorite ice cream. What is it? And don't say and don't go vanilla with this type of topping. That's not a fit unless you say vanilla. Well, I love all ice creams. And I did work at an ice cream parlor when I was in high school called Bresslers. And all the girls that worked there had big boobs. So everybody called it Bresslers. It was the 90s. So I got to say that is like so right there. Yeah. Like for someone to not do that joke, I question (laughs) them. It's true. So you couldn't be mad it's at it. It's right also, there for the t- You it was couldn't like, be mad at it. It was 1997. You know, feminism was in its infancy. Nowhere to be seen. There's nowhere to be seen. <laughs> uh, she was on vacation. <laughs> she was gone. Um, so everyone was like, oh, you work at Bressler's? <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> and I was like, great. And I loved ice cream. I love all flavors of ice cream. But I will say my, my favorite flavor is black cherry. Oh, my God. I like that. That's very unique. What about Cherry Garcia, Ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia? I love it. Because of the cherry or because of that chocolate crunch that you get in there? It's because of both of them. I love a flavor explosion. That sounds disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, where I grew up was like so much more non-offensive ice cream. (laughs) Yeah. Unlike where you grew up. Yeah. Uh, which clearly was a town run by children. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad it doesn't exist anymore because we could do a promo for it right now. But Well, ever since the probably multiple lawsuits, yeah, multiple. I would assume yeah. it clearly had to fade away. <laughs> <laughs> Huge guest. Legendary. Let's, I don't care. Let's build it up so big. 
It, it already it is, is big. It almost doesn't need the introduction. It doesn't. We both can't believe that we have this man as a, a guest on the show just because we have seen him almost all our lives. And he still is the same age. He's still the same age as when he first came into our lives. He's still the exact same age. I'm beside myself. We had such a fantastic conversation about his career, about getting to know himself through the history, a a personal history. He put out a one-man show. Uh, Yeah, and for those of you that don't know, we're talking about John's one-man show that's on Netflix called Latin History for Morons, which is uh, an educational and funny, hysterical, uh, Tony award-winning performance uh, about all the history of Latin America and how it's left out of our education system in the United States. But I just want you guys to know he wore a tie. Yeah. He wore a fucking tie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, without further delay, you guys want to get to it. So here we are. Let's get to it. Uh, our conversation with John Leguizamo. Thank you, I just need to leave five minutes before because I'm on tour. I'm on her show oh for my 45 goodness. minutes. No pressure, Rory. <laughs> no pressure. I, I do have a, a question. I, I as as also being a, a stand up comic, there's something that always fascinates me when someone's about to go on stage, and we see it so clearly in your your last Netflix special <laughs> one man show that right before you went out, you had your eyes closed, you had your hand on your forehead. Uh, what what's going through your head right there before, right before you step out? I'm like God. I wish I believed in you. Because <laughs> I need you right now. Because I need you right now more than ever to give me the energy and the focus so I can do this. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to focus and get all my energy inside to be like very present to myself because then I yeah. can be very present to the audience. But if I'm not there and I'm distracted, then I'm not going to go out there and-, and give you like 300%. Oh, yeah. That fascinates me because I've anytime anyone talks about that headspace right before they step out. I would and, read and I about, don't trust the performer yeah. who doesn't go there because you got to go inside and you got to be with yourself and, and, and you got to get in touch with this before you go out there. How far into your career did you, because I feel like this is probably relatable, where... You have the green room, but there's someone in there. Oh god! And you had yeah. How how many years into your career did you did you get to the point where you'd finally go, hey, could I just? I don't want to be a dick, but could I just have? Ten, I'm up in ten. <laughs> and I just gotta get in That's it. That's why I, I do one man shows. So I don't have to deal with yeah. that ever again. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, there's and, no and everybody club. knows that. I, everybody knows that I need to be alone for like a couple of hours, and I, I usually get there like three or four hours before, you know, and I'm just focusing, right. quiet. You know, because I, I, I got to conserve energy and psychic energy. Right. I can't be blathering and talking and bullshitting all day long because I can't give 100% on stage. Yeah. I think people don't realize that. I don't think they understand that mental energy is just as physically draining as doing like a physical activity. It's like fighting Mike Tyson. It's like fighting <laughs> Mike Tyson. Yeah. It's so it's I well, I I thought it was great and I think it's so well, thank you. fascinating to do too because from my perspective where I understand the idea of crafting the hour and you look for those spots where you can punch something up or you have that random night in a club where you just said one more sentence and you're like, oh my God, that's the ending of the bit. Right. I always wonder <laughs> it from from this other style of production. You know, if you're able to to stumble into those perfect one-liner oh, yeah. moments, or if you stumble into going, oh, I should, if I talk about mm-hmm. this other thing that just came to me on stage tonight, that's five more minutes of this whole other shift. Dude, 
it, it, it's the beautiful thing about being on stage in these shows is that it's ever evolving. It's it, it stops evolving the day the show's over. Right. But I'm changing it all the time, fine-tuning. After Broadway, after I received my Tony. Um, <laughs> yes. And I went on tour. Sorry, sorry, I needed to say that. After I closed on Broadway and I went on tour and I was much more relaxed and courageous. Yes. Because at the beginning when I started the show, I had a lot of history. People were very turned off. And so they get, put a little fear in me. <laughs> and uh, so then on tour, I started adding a lot of history back and people yeah. were even more in love with it. So yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. So I added a little extra. And every night that they loved it more, I, I got the courage to add a little extra, a little extra till a point, you know, as a tipping point where they, I do start to lose them again. Yeah, I want it to be shown in schools. It's so good. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Netflix is letting me recut it. And I'm the first person ever allowed to recut it. And oh, wow. uh, I'm adding the tour bits that I changed. So, so that it's much more school worthy. Oh, that's great. Oh, I love that. You talked a lot about your, your kids, especially your son through that whole thing. How do your kids feel about being part of your one man show and your comedy? <laughs> like, how, yeah. what, and they're older Ooh. too. So like, how do yeah. they? You know, it's got its pluses and minuses, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> My wife is definitely upset about the whole thing. She goes, you know, you just keep this alive, this wound alive forever. But I think my son understood that he was my hero and that I was championing him. And I think, yeah. he, I think he got that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then, you know, my daughter felt bad that she wasn't, you know, the star of it. <laughs> you got to make a sequel. Yeah, yeah, def- yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. What are the what are the ages? 19 and 20 Latin twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see the jealousy being like, what? My life, yeah, yeah. my my things yeah. are good enough for a one man <laughs> yeah. show. Exactly. I can't be the spark to get a whole history lesson. <laughs> I, I think that's so interesting when you say like adding in the history and some people getting uh turned off i wonder like even though they're at a comedy related thing they're like oh i'm in school because i'm hearing information and then i wonder if some people are turned off because what you're saying is more abrasive factual this is what happened this is what you haven't been told or maybe you don't want to know it's fascinating because the court jester back in the day serve the same purpose as stand-up comics do today. You know, they told the truth in a way that they didn't get hanged, you know, or executed. Right. Uh, you know, so, but they, they, they treaded that line of mocking the king or queen and, and saying things that everybody was afraid and, and turning people in and stuff and, and using gossip and, 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 and did all these tricks, but they had to stay alive. It's kind of the same thing. That's why I guess we always say I I killed on stage (laughs) or or I died. I died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting because I loved it. I love the whole the. I'm gonna I'm gonna quit just gushing over it constantly. I promise that won't be the whole discussion. No, why? Why, dude? I worked (laughs) really hard on that. Yeah, (laughs) it it truly shows because even just the that type of backdrop or the backdrop that almost looks like a church best resembles what it is we're we're up there doing All right, anyways right, right. where it's like here's this philosophical discussion here's this thing that's maybe educational here's this thing that's the truth that hurts but you're gonna laugh at the end so just come along for this which and trust me yeah you know it, it was something that that i felt like was very important to say because of psychosocial erasure that yes. happens to to latin people and uh we didn't just get here Right. Yeah. You know, you don't see yourself anywhere in, in on TV or in movies or, or or publishing or books, but there are great people and great heroes 
And when I started doing that research and I found out that we've done so much and that it's not, that it wasn't taught to me or to my kids or, or to kids that look like me, it, 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 it's just very hurtful. You know I mean? Yeah. To, to know that 10,000 Latino unknown patriots fought in the American Revolutionary. Right. We had generals. General yeah. Alves had an army of 3,000 Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Mexicans, Native Americans and free slaves. And, and they pushed the British out of the South so they couldn't attack the Patriots in New England. And I'm not talking about the, the football team. I'm talking about, <laughs> about the other Patriots. Where, where is that information? You know, right. why, why, is, why aren't there movies about that? You know what yeah. that would have done? To my self-esteem, to to my kids' self-esteem, right. to other brown kids. I I wonder that because you know you you come up in the reality that is sort of, I, I don't know that anyone truly lives in an honest reality. I think you get raised at just what you're told, and sometimes you're told it by people who also whatever they've been told, they and right, then you right, see right, that right. the truth just starts to disappear. But to me, it's like why why not? include that history? Why not shout that history out? Why try to eliminate that history when what you just said, it made you so proud? To me, it's like, I think that's how you better society. When people see themselves and when people feel better about themselves, you strengthen communities. And when you strengthen communities, you start yeah. to see citizens yeah, yeah. who understand giving back to a community. You got to run for office. Yeah. I'm, anyways, this office. is my platform. Right. This is my. Yeah. I'm voting for you. This is my convention. <laughs> Obviously, we just got the one guest. Yeah. Obviously, it's, it's a power grab and, a, and control because if the hunter tells a story, you're never going to find out the lion's side. Right. You know right. what I mean? That's why it's, we have to have your special Latin history yeah, for morons kind of, be shown in all schools. <laughs> like That's and, your argument with your wife. Yeah. You go, I am changing the world. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She cares a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she still like gets mad because of, of I th my favorite thing is that now you're recutting it so it's not even that you just put it out one time you're like I'm gonna put out the same thing again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. my wife will be very uh, upset about that uh, were yeah. you always into the history of all that yeah, yeah. I, I was always into history but not as much as I am when I realized that I was my people have been part of history then right. all of a sudden I became we're missing a history freak right knowing that Latin people invented color TV the pen the yo-yo the malaria antidote, the um, the first to have brain surgery were the Incas, and the first to create anesthesia were the Incas. Uh, the, we, the Mayans invented the concept of zero. You know, all, all these things. The best foods oh, in the world. The best was, food, the best music. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank everything. You. I, I love that, too. <laughs> but corn, tomatoes, potatoes. Yes. Where would the Italians be without tomatoes? Come on. And the Swiss <laughs> without chocolate. I just <laughs> love that you included yo-yo in that. Yeah. You say, you're like, look, the yo-yo. Hey, I, mean, I know we, we could live out. without that. We could do without that. <laughs> all right, look, That's we invented the, the slinky. No one's talking about it. It went downstairs. We changed the world. <laughs> slinky, a slinky. It's a wonderful, wonderful. Toy. Yeah, I, not such a, not so important. I, right. I think it's great. To, in my opinion, when I watched it and you led off by talking about your your son and the focus of it as being a dad and and in moments like that where your kid does experience bullying, I, I'm just so curious from a dad's perspective because I imagine I have a daughter who's five and I've already thought about. What if she's bullied? And then I've also thought, well, what do I do if she's the bully? And then I'm like, right, right. You know what? I, you because you don't know sort of what's going to come out as they as they grow and they change. And I I'm just so curious as a father, like when you found out 
that that was happening to your son? Like, where where did it immediately go? Were you just like, I'm gonna go fuck this dude up, or because <laughs> I think I would have like seen red like immediately. I'd have been like, I am I am fighting right now. Right, but it doesn't start out so the bullying doesn't start out so aggressive at first. You know, it right. it, it evolves in the stages. So at first, it seems just kind of oh, it's kids being kids, right? Right. Yeah. And so you let that go. And then all of a sudden it happens again. And you're like, you know, if you talk to your kid and you go, you know, just let it go or, or, or try to uh, make him see the other side, explain, use communication when then it go- happens again. And you're like, okay, now we need to intervene. This is right. Yeah. right. And you go to the principal and then the principal says, well, you know, the, the other kid says that your son started it and they believe that. And you're like, no, he didn't. My son didn't start it. Right. And then, then it happens again, and they put both kids on probation. I go, why are you putting my son on probation? Right. Right. He's not the one bullying. And yeah. then it becomes physical, psychological, emotional. They, 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 um, my son was in a basketball team, and every time he scored, they sat on their hands. The bully got all the rest of the, the betas, because he was the alpha male. He got the rest of the betas to sit on their hands. So when my son did something, they did, they, they were silent. And every, anytime anybody else did anything, they cheered and screamed and everything. And it kept getting worse. And then it was cyberbullying. So we complained to the school. So they take away everybody's computer in the grade, computers in the grade. Guess who gets the fallout from that? My son, because now <laughs> right. they have no computers because of us. Because uh, right, of exactly. Son. Yeah, see, that's... Right. And that's, it just gets worse and worse and worse. That's what I think about, the spiral of it. Like, how did you even come across it? Did he come to you and see, like, hey, this is going on? Or did you you found out about it? Yeah, no, he told us. He told us, and then we were called in and... And okay, then we yeah. started going to the school. Then he kept telling us, and we kept going to the school. And the school didn't really know how to deal with it. They didn't really deal with it really well. And yeah. And then eventually, my son was ostracized. You know, he was alone for a whole year by himself, like no friends, no parties. And it was heartbreaking. You know, heartbreaking for us. And you know, I wanted to weaponize his information to fight back and not use his fist. You know, I didn't really, I didn't want that to repeat the same cycle that I grew up with. You know, I just didn't want to be that kind of male, that toxic masculinity BS. Right. Yeah, that's what I wonder. Because I think it always does start, like you just said. It's always like, yeah, kids are kids. And then it crosses a line where you're well, like... when it gets racial, when it gets racial. Yeah, and when it, it does get racial too, you're immediately like, have you heard your parents talk like that? Right, where does right, your opinion right. of that come from? Because you would assume, and I don't know, maybe I'm just so naive, but you know, that's such a conversation in our house is talking about the value of difference. And that, that's important. I mean, that, that's what every parent should be doing is talking to their kids. And we did that, of course, with, with, with my son. Obviously, I, was, I want him to be very proud of being Latinx and, and, you know, where we come from, being indigenous, part black, white, Jewish from my wife's side and, and being proud of all that, you know? And, yeah. I mean, I'm from New York City where we celebrate everybody's uniqueness, where I want to be with everybody. You know, I right. love the world and and I want to meet all religions and all ethnicities and all races and all nationalities and it's so fun and so exciting and and you feel so alive and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I've told so many yeah. people that because I lived in New York City for for four years and I've told everybody I was like literally every person is represented in this city. I was like so anybody who lives in communities that are so uh, secluded and has racial tension, the fact that New York City is still standing is proof to the world that you could mix and match us all up and just plop us back on the planet and it will work. 
<laughs> and it's a cradle civilization in America. Yeah. But John, how like what do you think is different between the the New York City that you grew up in and then the New York City that your kids are growing up in? You know, you're right. You're right. I mean, New York is not the same as what I mean. When I was right. a kid, it was it was desolate and bankrupt. It was so awesome. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, was the beginning of, it was the beginning of everything. Yeah. It was the beginning of punk, the beginning of rap, the beginning of hip hop. Uh, of so many of, of disco i mean i mean there was so many great playwrights the sam shepherd right. ted tally and poets it was an amazing time in new york city you need a city that's affordable you need a you need a nexus where all these different artists commingle with whether with other intellectuals as well yes. you need that you need that cross pollination to create like great great art movements and it's not New York is not so cool like that anymore because everything's too expensive and everybody's, you know, spread out to Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx, Jersey. So it's not that centralized sort of eye of the storm of intellectual uh, midwifing. Yeah, right. I would tell my my wife that all the time. I was just like, New York City is so inspiring because there's also a whole bunch of people pretending like they're artists. <laughs> who who aren't who aren't good at all? Yeah, but all those people who are who are pretending or are trying and, and not so great are the ones that uh, you know support us. Right. <laughs> They're your biggest fans usually. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're right. starting out. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. I'm curious when you play a father now, because I loved your role in When They See Us. Oh, God, that was beautiful. It was just so incredible. And well, first, I also like you were growing up in New York City when that happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was it a trip to relive that on set and like relive that New York City vibe? And then also, how does being a father in real life inform you when you play a father? I mean, the big takeaway from that series was for people that haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, it's about the Central Park Five. These these five Latin and black kids that were profiled. They were they were like very young teenagers profiled and and accused of, of a rape that they did not perpetrate. Yes. Well, the big takeaway for me was don't ever sign any confession because it's going to be trouble. And that's what happened to those poor kids. They were coerced yeah. into these these video confessions and and then forced to sign that they were accurate and they weren't accurate right. and they were forced to match because they weren't matching. And and I got to hang out with the dad that I played. Oh, you and did? Son. And, I, and I, yeah, and I took him out to dinner. There's oh. the least I could do. Yeah. You know, and bonded with them, trying to, you know, get deeper into into the character I was playing. And, uh, you know, the reason that dad signed all these things, because he's a single dad working 24 hours a day, basically, and was too exhausted 
too tired and afraid, you know, and, and back in those days, parents believed cops. They didn't believe you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Right. That was that, that was that era. Like I told me the police go, don't you ever do that again? Because I know it was you. Why would the policeman <laughs> say that? If they have to be you? And then you start realizing, well, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously they're great. There are great cops and they are really good cops. I mean, of course we don't, I, I don't want to lump them all in the, in, into the same uh, negative uh, spin, but you know that we need to uh, regulate our police as well. They need to be accountable. Well, and it also goes back to this education of it all. Of those kids not even knowing their rights, not even knowing that they well, can have 14. a lawyer present. And like they're fourteen, 14 but 15. like, but none of that's even taught to anybody in any. Like even no, now, no, right. still, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you have no, no idea what any of that is as no, a kid. You you and know? you and you're like thinking, why would I need to know that? I'm never going to go to jail or getting arrested, right? And and, and then yet and yet. Latin people are 40% of the prison population now with the biggest minority in jails. Right. And most of it is because of immigration detention. These are innocent people seeking a better life who are now just arrested for seeking a better life. I mean, they're not criminals. Exactly. Yeah, but they're being demonized. Canada. I think yeah. I think Canada's our next stop for all of us. We just kind of slowly work our Canada way. Canada accepts everybody. <laughs> yeah, Canada's like, yeah, look, yeah. the middle of our country <laughs> is vacant. <laughs> you can yeah, come right. It. Yeah. Kill it. Please come straight to Saskatchewan and put and Canadians down. are funny, man. Canadians are funny. You got Mike Myers, Jim Carrey. It's a funny bunch. Michael J. Fox. There's a yeah, and they the, anytime there's some. I don't know if you've come across this, but anytime there's a famous Canadian that has done anything, Canadians want you to know immediately. I was on the road with a guy in Canada. We were driving. He goes, see that house over there? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you know who was born there? I go, who? He goes, James Naismith, Canadian invented basketball. I'm like, I'm not here to argue because I do not care <laughs> at all where he's from. I don't, I'm not here to claim it. You know what? You know what? It was so interesting. I was doing my show, Ghetto Clown in, in Canada. And luckily, yes. some comedian told me, he said, look, they're not going to laugh. And don't take it personally, because you're going to start thinking that you're sucking, but you're not. That's how they are. And I go, ah, yeah, right. He's not as good as me. So <laughs> I get there, and I'm doing, I'm doing my show, and it's like, you can hear, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm dying. And then all of a sudden, I remembered, oh, Canadians don't laugh. Canadians don't laugh. They're too polite. Right. And that's, that saved me. That, I mean, it was still a painful evening, but... <laughs> <laughs> I had that happen once in Amsterdam. I was doing a, a festival there, and somebody had told me, he goes, talk slowly, because you're, you're speaking English, and also, uh, uh, they don't laugh a lot. And I was like, all right. And so I spoke very slowly, and uh, no one was laughing. I did 30 minutes, got off, and it was like a co-headlining <laughs> kind of thing. Next guy goes up and is destroying. And I was like... What the? They are. They do laugh. And then afterwards, a Dutch oh, no. guy came no, up to me and he thing. goes, "Let me guess. Someone told you to talk slowly." And I was like, "Yeah." Oh. He goes, "He goes. We speak English here too." He's like, "Everyone knows." Oh. I was like, "Oh, oh well. damn! You got set off. Now you got set off, man. Was it the guy that came after you? Who told right. you that? Oh no, no. That that would have killed me. Yeah, that guy. As soon yeah. as he started crushing, I was like, "Oh, you would have killed him." Yeah. When you got into uh, stand up or getting into comedy in general? Do you feel like that's just triggered from? For me personally, I had uncles, aunts, and uncles that were hilarious. So that made me go, "Oh, I see the value in behaving this way or trying to be funny." Do you come from that? Is that something that was wired at I, a young I, age? I think I was the funniest person in my entire family, just because I was crazy ADHD. <laughs> right back yeah. then, they just called it. He's too hyper, you know, back yeah. in the day. But now, now, now we know it's ADHD. But I was always like 
I had so much energy. I was so crazy. I would do all these voices and I needed an endless amount of attention. So I would do voices all day long, characters. I, I wouldn't shut up. Yeah. People always yeah. go, yeah, shut up, John, shut up. <laughs> I was constantly <laughs> told to shut up and being smacked. And, and I realized, you know, when I did it for my friends that they would start cracking up. You know, and I and I'd stop people from beating yeah. me up, and they became my friends. And yeah, and when I could make my dad laugh, it's a diffuser. Yeah, it was totally it was my it was my self defense mechanism that that yeah you know was was paying off. And I was like, yo, this could be something. And it, and then you know, my math teacher. I've heard but, you uh, you mention uh, your relationship like with your dad, but did you still have like that thing where like if your dad laughed, if you made your dad laugh, that was just like a golden moment where you, you felt like you, you achieved the highest yeah. thing you could achieve. Cause he never laughed. Yeah. He never laughed. Yeah. He never laughed. He wasn't, he, he was, he, my mom said he should tell tons of jokes when they were dating. I go, yeah, right. Just want to get in your pants. Cause he's not a funny dude, <laughs> <laughs> but sex will make you do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. He's just, he's suddenly just doing a tight five. Cause he's, <laughs> I'm just trying yeah, to get laid. I'm just trying to get laid, to, dude. Yeah. He wants, yeah. He wants 15. <laughs> You just directed your first feature film, right? Critical uh, yes. Thinking. My my independent film di- directorial debut. Uh, this beautiful film, uh, a true story of five Latinx and black kids from the ghettoest ghetto in, in Miami, Overtown, Liberty City, back in the day, who in 1989 became United States national chess champions. Yeah. Cannot wait oh, to see so it. Great. Did you discover that? Were you like, oh, here's this story I want to like? No, no, they came to me. Okay, cool. They came to me to, yeah. to play the lead. And then they offered me, you know, do you want to direct that? I go, oh, wow, you kidding me? You want, oh, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. And I was like, I'm, I'm a wing this sucker. And, and, and I actually realized that I got a lot of talent to direct, man. I, I realized in the middle of it, go, wait a minute, I've done over 100 films. I know. I've worked with some right. of the masters. Yeah. I've worked with yeah. Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. I know. Uh, Spike Lee, Tony Scott, Ridley Scott. Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lest I yeah. forget. And uh, I was like, I got this this uh, catalog of, you know, problem-solving techniques from all of them. And so I used it all, man. And I was able to get the best out of these great actors. And, and uh, we got into South by Southwest. Of course, it didn't happen because of COVID. But, right. Right. But at least I got in. That's a, yeah, I was going to say, it's probably a shorter list to ask you what you haven't been in than to ask you what you have been in. If you're like, well, they, I was in, yeah. the only five, I've only, I've only not been in five movies. That's what I, right. I mean, <laughs> it's true. I've been in a lot of flicks. I mean, not all of them good, obviously, but yeah, but <laughs> I thought I'd done less. I, I should have been a little pickier. I should have been a little pickier. I don't know. I mean, it got. Look, I mean, look at you now. Look where it's look where it's gotten you. It's been incredible. I mean, I've seen you in so many things that the moment I saw that you were directing, and then I, my brain was like, "Wait, I don't know that I know him as a director." And then all I thought after that was like, "It must be so easy. He's done so much work. He has to know it without experience of ever doing it because you've just been around yeah, it yeah. for so long." Yeah. Yeah, you are. You, you learn. I mean, you, I'm. I'm always hanging out with the director and asking him questions and you know i paid attention you know and i and i borrowed from spike when i did yeah. summer sam made us all hang out together because he knew that you can't fake camaraderie on camera you can't either you like each other for real and you know things about each other that you can play with and then baz Luhrmann would make us rehearse like a month before for moulin rouge and a, a couple of weeks for romeo and julia we had like long ass workshops and uh i, I picked all that up you know and, and also spike's and Ava DuVernay trying to use two or three cameras to capture improv 
because it's better that way. Because if you make people repeat it, it starts to be, start to get a little yeah. stale and stagnant. So all these techniques, man, they're all they're all with me. Yeah, you're working with younger actors yeah. and young boys in this movie, like yeah, yeah. Like, did you feel fatherly on that set or like, it's so <laughs> yeah, weird. Right? right? Like, it's so true. I know it's kind of a like corny question, no, no, but no, like, it's not a you know, because it's true. Like once you have a kid, you feel like every child in the world is your child. It's a weird feeling, but that's what happens to you. <laughs> and all of a sudden I had all these kids under my tutelage and I'm like, I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to make them great. And they respond in kind, you know? And, and right. it, it was a beautiful rapport that we had. Really beautiful. I mean, I told the guys, I said, I need you here a week earlier. We're going to spend about 12 hours a day rehearsing because I'm directing and I'm in it and it's chess and none of us know chess. So I'm going to have all these experts with us yeah. and, and you got to memorize all your moves before we get to set. And there was one game at the end that's 60 moves. Oh my God. And these poor guys, I put them through the paces. They had to memorize those 60 moves so Jesus. that when we got there, they could excel, you know, like because I wanted the chess to feel like a sport because it's, Right. It's a mental game and you can't film that. You know what I mean? A, right. A mental game is just like this. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the other guy. <laughs> and just some staring sweat at each beads. Other. You just get a yeah. few Deadpan. sweat beads yeah. coming down. Yeah. Beads yeah. sweat. Yeah. The eyebrows start yeah. going like that, you know? Yeah. Attention. <laughs> right. It's not right. fun. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I think I feel like uh, anything I've acted in where there's an actor that's also going to be the director, you feel like there's... They already understand the communication of what actors need to. Yeah, to yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, like you know it when you work with a director who doesn't understand the communication. You know it within the first two sentences. You're like, oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm gonna have to tune that guy out. When, he, when a director <laughs> yeah. comes over to you and goes, okay, in this scene, it's a desert and you are the cactus and you need water. <laughs> go. <laughs> I go. Okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to anything this guy says because yeah. they don't know. They don't know how to talk to actors. And I obviously, you know, I, I, I love the craft. I studied with the best teachers in the world and I continue to, to, to study. So I was able to bring the best out of these kids and talk to them, you know, not, not in result terms, not in showing them how to do it, yeah. you know, but just getting them in the emotional space and, and having them test and try things. Cause that's the yeah. way you get the best acting is you do it your way. And then, We'll talk about corrections after, but you do it with your instincts go before I shut down your machine. I think that's huge. Mm. Yeah. Knowing, letting people use their own, having the confidence to use their own choices right out of the gate is so big. Cause I, anytime you think you're going to get the best, you're going to get, yeah. I mean, Nick Nolte said it so beautifully. He said to a director who was over directing him, he said, Look, this is, this is my talent, (laughs) this feather right here, this feather. You see that? (sighs) When you talk and tell me too much, that feather goes away and the magic is gone. I think that's true, though. <laughs> so, that's so good. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with Nick Nolte. It's weird he carries a box <laughs> so of feathers good. to always have that. <laughs> He's got a down pillow he carries. <laughs> it's easy. He's sleeping all the time in his trailer. That's <laughs> Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, 
We have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. What do you enjoy more, the live live stage or the or screen? I mean, I love them in different ways. Yeah. But I, I guess I love the stage. I mean, the stage because it's instant, is, right? Oh, it's instant. You're you're pushed to levels that you never thought you could go. Yeah. You know, when the audience is is rude, is ho- hooting, hollering, and, yeah. and, and or they're really quiet. I don't know. There's an honesty that happens in in in, in you where you really connect with yourself and them, and oh, it's. It's like it's like religion. It's church. It's beautiful. I, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, we know you got to uh, you got you got another I mean, yeah. uh, interview that you're doing. But I I just got to say to have had you on the show and, and to get to talk with oh, you. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. It was so much fun. You guys are a blast. But I have to ask real quick: How can we get House of Buggin to be streaming? I, I th- you can get it on YouTube. because <laughs> I'm not allowed to stream it because yeah, I, I, can't, I couldn't clear the rights to. Uh, there was too many people. I love it so much. <laughs> it was so funny, man. We did. You know, if Nielsen's had more Latin and black families back in the day because we weren't represented <laughs> i would have still been on the air i know <laughs> for those of you that don't know house of buggin was a sketch show and it needs to be seen by all so get to YouTube. it youtube there YouTube. you go that's yeah. your, be- your best chance is youtube check it out yeah um john thank you thank you so, so much. very much for being all right here peace today. out much love thank yeah. you thank you stay healthy and safe you too. You too. take care bye Boom. There it is, people. John Leguizamo. Oh, my God. So busy. He had other interviews to get to. The fact that we even got... If he said, guys, I can only give you five minutes, I would have still felt as much joy with that as I feel now. I'm on poor. I was like, oh, my God. We were able to get in. You know what I mean? We opened for that interview. (laughs) Yeah, we opened opened for it. I mean, that was Luigi. Yeah. That was Luigi. That was Tybalt. (sighs) It was incredible. If that doesn't tell you range, <laughs> yeah. to go from a video game movie to Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything. He's, He's worked with everybody. He has entertained everybody. Multiple uh, mediums of entertainment, stand-up, one-man show, Tony Award-winning shows, I should say. Drama, comedy, everything, action. Anyway, uh, John Leguizamo, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow him on Twitter. It's just his name, John Leguizamo. His newest film is Critical Thinking, and it just hit video on demand and other digital platforms. No, and if you want to know more about John's amazing life, and you know you do, his memoir is called Pimps, Hoes, Play Haters, and All the Rest of My Hollywood Friends, My Life. That's really the title. It really is. I'm not making that up. That was the, I just realized I can't call mine that now. Yeah, that sucks. Sorry. Sorry, Can't believe it. We hope uh, all of you listeners enjoyed our conversation with him as much as we enjoyed actually uh, having it. And uh, we'll see you guys again. Thanks so much. So that's our show this week. We'll be back next week with an all new show. Dads, the podcast is produced by Jen Samples, Nick Liao, and me, Ruthie Wyatt. Our executive producers are Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Engineering by Will Becton and Anya Jeshi. Our theme song is by Strange Hotels with additional music by John Danik. Special thanks to Sean Doherty. Don't forget to rate and review. Go to wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, tell friends. We're Dads the Podcast. See you next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.